Hey everybody, I'm Jada. Today we are going to be looking at 1 Samuel chapter 16. If you want to open up your Bible or open to the Bible app, go ahead and do that. Let's get ready for today's lesson. Hey, everybody. How are you? Oh, good. Good. That was really fun worshiping you with you today. Uh, like a child is where we have been, where we will continue to be. And uh, it's just good to be together. Whether you're in this room, you're online, we are together. And I, I, uh, my prayer has been you would be excited to dig into to what God has for us today. Uh, kids, if you grabbed one of those clipboards today, uh, on one of the assignments, if you will, on your tally sheet is to tally at least... Uh, Henry, the, the, time, the number of times you hear the word God, so that's twice. I'm going to need to teach him what tally is. Um, and so I may just drop the word God, see if you're paying attention. I did have a little girl come up to me and say I said it over 70 times, so there's not enough room on that sheet, I can tell you that. But there's a good, there's a back. Hey, I want to start with a question today. Have you ever felt overlooked? Have you ever felt kind of cast aside or ignored, left out, overlooked? This means yes. I, I can remember being the new kid at school in gym class. <laughs> and I apologize if a gym class memory causes anxiety for you. Um, but, but there, I mean, there's a bunch of different ways to be overlooked. Like maybe, maybe you're, maybe you're the odd person out in your family or, or your friend group. Maybe, uh, you're the tallest or you're the shortest or you're the smartest or you're some other kind of est or, uh, or you're in gym class and you're the new kid. And we were picking teams for arguably the greatest gym class game ever. It's called crazy kickball. Um, and nobody wanted to pick me because nobody knew me. And I was, I was embarrassed, and I was a little hurt. I wasn't the last person to get picked, but it was me and then three girls who didn't even want to participate in gym class anyway. Like, they never got changed or anything, and I'm like, awesome. This is awesome. It's the beginning of my new school time. I, I wanted to play. I wanted to be involved deep down. I wanted to be included. I wanted to be welcomed. I wanted to be accepted. I was good. I could dominate crazy kickball, but nobody knew that, and so I was overlooked by everybody. Today's young Bible character faced the same kind of circumstance in his life, ignored, left out, overlooked, overshadowed by seemingly everybody. I want to set the stage, set the tone for our story today. If you remember a few weeks ago, um, we, we looked at the the boy Samuel. And he was raised up in, uh, in the tabernacle. He was learning to hear the voice of God from Eli. He was training to be the next high priest. And, and that's where he was. And, and, and if we fast forward a little bit, we find him, that's his role. He's the high priest. And uh, at the same time, he's older. And Israel says, hey, we want a king. And, and it's, it's kind of a different lesson, uh, but a good one, because this was their attitude. We want to be like everybody else. It's not a good thing. You are not like everybody else. But that's what they wanted. And, and so God, this is so cool. God's like, well, okay, 
tell them what a king's going to do, but hey, they want a king, we'll give them a king. And so he sends Samuel to anoint Saul, the very first king of Israel. And Saul starts off great. He's a great king for a while, and then pride seeps in. Pride overcomes all the other thoughts in his body and his mind, and he disobeys God, and he sins against God, and God rejects Saul as king. That kind of bums Samuel out pretty bad, right? Because this is the first guy, the first real thing. I anointed him king, and now he's failed, and you know, what am I going to do? But God had other plans, and so God sends Samuel to say, hey, it's okay, I want you to go to Bethlehem because the next king is, you're going to anoint the next king there. Check this out. I am sending you to Jesse in Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. So Samuel was in a tricky position. Saul could have Samuel killed for anointing a new king, but Samuel chose to be brave and do exactly as God had told him. Samuel traveled to Bethlehem where Jesse lived with his sons. The first son, Eliab, was tall and handsome and definitely looked like king material. And Samuel thought to himself, this has to be the one the Lord wants me to anoint for him. But God had something super important to say to Samuel. Do not consider how handsome or tall he is. I have not chosen him. People look at the outside of a person, but the Lord looks at what's in his heart. Jesse had six other sons stand right in front of Samuel, but even though they looked pretty kingly, God made it clear to Samuel. Well, God hasn't chosen them either. Are these the only sons you have? Well, my, uh, my youngest son is taking care of the sheep. Well, well okay, I'll send for him. So, of course, Jesse sent for his youngest son, David. And when David showed up, well, <laughs> he looked and smelled like he'd been hanging out with, well, a bunch of sheep. But God was looking at David's heart instead of his haircut. He told Samuel, Get up and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel poured oil on David's head, a special sign that God had chosen him to be the next king of Israel. Young David, the next king of Israel. Most scholars believe David was about 10 years old when he was anointed to be king. Now, he didn't become king right away. Um, he, he didn't take the throne until actually 20 years later when he was 30. A lot of time for, for preparation uh, to be the king. But David was a young boy who spent all of his time out in the pasture with sheep, caring for sheep, protecting the sheep. And, and honestly, he was overlooked by everybody. All his brothers looked down on him. He's just the pesky, annoying youngest brother. His dad, even Jesse, didn't even consider him uh, to come when Samuel came to town. Like He's just the eighth kid who happens to be out in, in the pasture. All the other people just saw David as just another smelly shepherd boy. Even David felt overlooked. He would later write in Psalm 27, he said that even my mother and father have abandoned me. But God, he had other plans. God saw David differently. In fact, here's what I want us to understand today. Though David was overlooked by everyone, he was handpicked by God. God saw in David a shepherd king, perfect for caring and protecting his people. 
God saw in David uh, a faithful and strong leader who would be faithful to the Lord always and to his word. He saw in David uh, a mighty warrior who would stand up against the enemies of God and his people and to stand up and fight for what is right. David was overlooked by everybody, but he was handpicked by God. And you want to know why God saw all of these things when no one else did? It's, it's this little nugget of truth in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 16. It's, it's just one single verse, one small thought that teaches us something really big about the Lord. If, if you're a note taker or a highlighter, this is what you want today. 1 Samuel chapter 16 verse 7. The Lord doesn't look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. David's brothers were big and strong and handsome. Uh, They were the ones that certainly looked like they should be the next king. David was young. He was small. He was dirty and smelly from being with the sheep. Didn't look anything like what we would think a king should look like. That's what everyone else saw, but But God doesn't look at the outside. He's not concerned with what everyone else sees and the things that we look at. You see, David's David's heart was what God saw. And David's heart had always been aligned with God's. Even as a child, David was a God follower. He spent his time out in the pasture with the sheep, sure, but he really spent that time with the Lord. And God used that time to prepare young David uh, for, while he's doing seemingly small, unimportant things, to prepare him for his future. And because David uh, chose the Lord, the Lord chose David. And because David uh, cared for those sheep faithfully and fearlessly, God knew that, that he'd be a great king who would faithfully and fearlessly care for his people. You ever feel like the things you're doing are insignificant, they don't matter, you're spinning your wheels? There are days when I wonder, what am I doing? Like, does this stuff really matter like, what are we, there's got to be more to this. There are, there are days, there are certain days where, where my wife is at work serving the community, my kids are at school, and I'm grocery shopping for food that everybody's just going to eat. Or I'm folding laundry that people are then going to just put back on and wrinkle and get dirty and put back in the laundry for someone to do. I find myself vacuuming up the dog hair that I know is going to be back there before I go, bed, go to bed tonight. And I find myself going, really, isn't there, is, there's, is there more, there's got to be more than this. Lord, really? Is, what are we doing? You ever felt that way? Do these homework assignments really matter? Isn't there more to life than just meetings and calculus? What's calculus? Who, we're never going to use calculus. There's like three professions that use calculus. I've done them, I've, I've looked into this. Like, what's the point? You ever find, what's the point? What are we doing? We're, I'm, uh, does this really matter? There, here's a, there's got to be bigger things that I could be doing. And then we read David's story, and we're reminded that, hey, uh, we're not being overlooked and ignored in these seemingly insignificant tasks. You see, it's not even about the tasks. It's about the attitude we have in doing the tasks. <laughs> it's about our heart. 
God used David's time caring for sheep to prepare him for his future, for the plans he had for David, for when he would be king and face really tricky and difficult decisions and situations. And just the same, God is using those seemingly insignificant wheel-spinning tasks that you have. Kids, he's using your childhood, right, to, to prepare you for what's ahead, and he's got great plans for you great plans. He's, he's, not, he's not all that concerned with how you look or how strong you are or how smart you are. He is not too concerned with what other people think about you or what clubs you're involved in or, or how successful you are. He's looking at your heart. God's most concerned that your heart is the most important, the most impressive thing about you. The most beautiful thing about you is your heart. Loving him with all of your heart. Loving others, loving yourselves, putting others' needs above your your own, being quick to forgive people who have upset you, building others up with your words when you see them down, living at peace with everyone as long as it, as much as it depends on you. David spent his days in the pasture with the sheep, talking to the Lord, learning to love and to care and to protect his flock, and, and doing the task the Lord laid before him in that season of life. And it prepared him for a faithful life living for God forever. In the Old Testament book of Psalms, there's this guy named Asaph. He was, a, he was an Old Testament worship leader, and he's talking about David in Psalm 78, and he says, God chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheep pens. From tending the sheep, he brought him to, the, to shepherd his people Israel. And David shepherded them with integrity of heart, and skill, with skillful hands he led them. You know what one of the coolest things about David is? There's only one David in the Bible. You ever read the Bible and you're like, well, which, which Joseph are you talking about? Is it Old Testament Joseph? Is it New Testament Joseph? Or is it that other guy in Acts named Joseph? There, you, a lot of times you can find the same names of people and it's like, all right, who are we? To? Saul and Saul. And, I mean, it's all over the place. But there is only one David. David was unique. He, he, was, he, was, he was special. Uh, he, and he was a huge part of God's plan to save his people. So much so that the, blood, the royal bloodline of Israel, the, the lineage that would eventually bring Jesus to earth, is called the house of David. The town where David was born, Bethlehem, is known as the town of David. The, the city, Jerusalem, where he reigned forever is called the city of David. Jesus Christ, our Savior, Lord, Messiah, and King, is referred to often as the son of David. In fact, some of the last words that Jesus ever spoke recorded in the last chapter of the Bible, Revelation 22, Jesus says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you testimony, this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the morning star. There's only one David, and he was a pretty big deal. And here's what I want you to hear. There's only one you. And you're a pretty big deal, too. Even when everyone else has overlooked you, God sees you. 
and he's handpicked you to be his child. You are a big deal. That's the conversation you should have in the mirror in the morning. Good morning, big deal. If you do that, please video it, because it'd be really funny. <laughs> Let me give you two quick ways to engage today's message. And the first one is, I want you to trust that thought. Trust that truth. Trust that God looks at and sees your heart. He knows your every need. He calls you his masterpiece. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Trust that when you feel ignored and overlooked by everyone else, even the people who are supposed to pay attention to you, you're not. Because God sees you. Trust that, that you are seen and that you are handpicked by the Lord. Trust that, that God is always working and always shaping and always growing you to be who he's created you to be. And he promises to finish that work that he started in you. Trust that. Live out of that truth, not what everyone else is saying. And then, number two, just pray. It sounds so simple. We believe in prayer. Following the example of David, pray. David had gotten in such a habit of talking to God and asking for his help. And how do I care for this sheep? Help me to find the sores on this sheep so I can anoint them with oil and make sure it's, the sheep are healed and fed and taken care of. How do, how do I protect these sheep from predators? He had become so accustomed to that that when he faced hard times, when he felt abandoned, when he felt afraid, when he felt overlooked, he ran quickly to the Lord. And let the Lord comfort him. Let the Lord answer him. Let the Lord remind him who he was. You and I should do the same thing. Pray. Let the Lord remind you who you are, or better put, whose you are. You are a beloved, hand-picked child of God. That is what you are. Would you pray with me? Father, we're grateful for this story early in David's life. There are so many, but this one, where you remind us that you see us. Because honestly, Lord, there are times when we feel completely overlooked and ignored, even if we're honest by you. Remind us that's not true. Help us to stay close to your word and to allow your spirit to lead us to these truths and that we might live out of that. And may we be so in the habit of talking to you about everything that when we feel this way, we come running to you. Would you give us eyes to see you working, ears to hear what you're saying, and a heart to believe that we are who you say we are. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Adam, that was an amazing message. Good. However, in my world, you cannot mention David. In kids' ministry, you can't mention David without talking about this. Ooh. Okay, now, just to be clear, David was not king yet. In fact, Saul didn't even know there was a new king waiting in the wings. He was busy leading the nation and later trying to fight off a Philistine invasion. And the Philistines had a secret weapon, a warrior more than nine feet tall, named Goliath. You 
choose one of your men. Have him come face me to decide this war. I dare you. Obviously the Israelites were terrified! For 40 days in a row, they cowered behind the battle line as Goliath repeated his dare. Now, David's brothers were part of Saul's army. And after all this time, their dad wanted to make sure they were okay. So Jesse told David to leave the sheep behind and take some food to his brothers. David arrived just in time to hear Goliath's challenge. Come and fight me. I dare you. Right away, David turned the men around him. He's bringing shame on Israel and trash-talking God. Someone has to fight him. Word got back to King Saul that this kid was asking about Goliath. So Saul sent for David. Don't let anyone lose hope because of this Philistine. I'll go out and fight him. You're too young. When I'm taking care of my father's sheep, sometimes a wild animal attacks. I go after it to save the sheep. I've killed a lion and a bear. God saved me from them, and he'll save me from this Philistine. Go. May the Lord be with you. At first, Saul wanted David to wear his own armor. <sighs> but it was super heavy, and David wasn't used to it. So David shrugged it off and went and found five smooth stones from the stream instead. Come and fight me! This time, when Goliath made his challenge, David stepped forward. The warrior mocked him. <laughs> Come over here. I'll feed you to the wild animals. <laughs> you come against me with a sword, but I come against you in the name of the Lord. He'll give me victory over you. As Goliath moved to attack, David raced forward. He took one of those stones, fit it in his sling, and spun it with all his might. The stone <laughs> sliced through the air and hit Goliath squirrely on the head. Ow. The giant swayed and fell to the ground, dead. When the Philistines saw their hero was dead, they panicked and ran. The Israelites chased them until their whole army scattered. And Saul was so impressed with David, he invited him to come and live at the palace. The 